Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It is good to be With you again, please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Please also go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com, for more information about our work. You can also send along a a comment there on our contact form. You can also find us on social media, and you can send along an email, if you wish, to john at johnwarrenmedia.com. It is always good to hear from you. You probably, like me, think that your voice is not significant. Well, uh, those friends who contact me to say, hey, I really enjoyed that episode, even if it's a one-sentence message or God used this or that in my life and your podcast was part of it, it just it's just encouraging. I was talking to uh, the person who owns the production company for this podcast, uh, which is called His Productions. His his name is uh, Josh Brown. I was talking to him yesterday about impact. Josh has a really good way of kind of summing things up in this industry, if I can call it that. This this media, and uh, wow, it's just it's just encouraging to think that uh, this podcast has been around. Uh, for almost a year and a half, and uh, that that it it is a blessing to some. I am grateful for the opportunity. I'm going to do something a little different today. I, I want to give you a personal update, uh, which is which is really interesting and uh, uh, unexpected, and not not bad, uh, not not totally bad. And uh, then I want to I want to just talk about. I want to be encouraging today. I want to encourage you, the listener, today. I want us to mutually build each other up in the faith as Paul admonishes us to do, and I want to just be part of that. Maybe maybe a means to that end would be to start this process with this podcast episode. So I hope uh, you'll you'll listen and stay with me through just three points I want to make. But before we do that, I want to give you this, this uh, personal story. I... You know I teach at Circle Christian School, and what what a blessing that is. And the students, uh, it, it seems every year, I'm just, by this time of year, I'm just incredibly blessed to know these amazing students. So that's happening now. Well, we had this uh, hurricane, Ian, as, as you know by now, and our uh, we, we didn't lose power at our home. I, I have some kind of guilt associated with that because so many people did and uh, we we didn't get any structural damage that I'm aware of uh, but we did have lots of cleanup needed in our yard and in the neighborhood and we did all of that and others uh, you know you try to go to like a store to just do basic things and the the route to the uh, I was going to go to one of those UPS stores to send uh, it's a long story but to send something to our daughter in New York. And I, I went one way and the road was blocked and there were these bobcats out there and the road was just flooded. And I, okay, well I've, I'll go to plan B and there, there is a plan C and D there too, but they're so far away. So 
I, I circled back and went the other way and there's another standing water, you know, a foot or so deep. And it looked huge to me and scary. Uh, and I drive an SUV. So I, uh, I braved that one. And then uh, a few hundred yards ahead, there's another one and uh, made it through and, and everything is fine. But I had to, I had to pass a, a road closed sign. Um, so I, I don't know whether I broke the law or not. I sure hope I didn't, but I, I saw other cars before me making it through and it gave me uh, some sense of boldness, but so, so that's what we've been up to. Um, and prior to that, a, a few weeks, we got one of those calls that you get from your, your youngsters, uh, who aren't so young anymore. And, uh, our daughter was struggling with, um, with her cat's health and, and long story short, I said in the middle of that conversation, something like, you know, sweetie, would it be helpful if we adopted the cat? And I tried to say that really sensitively because she, she rescues cats and, and she rescues special needs cats and, and elderly cats and both, you know, elderly cats who have special needs. So she adopted a, a, a blind cat who was at the time blind in one eye and then he went blind in the other eye and he was just amazing and had to be put down after a couple of years because he developed cancer and he was, he was kind of scrappy and you know, she, she went to this place near her school and, and she, uh, she, she, she found him. She, she spends time there and gets to know the cats and their personality to see if, you know, they might fit. Well, after his death, she adopted another one. And this one is is uh, female, and and she's just beautiful and 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 sweet. And I, I'm a dog person, by the way, and I, I know many of you are, and and some of you are cat people, and some of you are both. I've got students who have cows and uh, goats and things. It's really really interesting. Not not many students, but but a few. And so so I I know we all have animal preferences, pet preferences, and some people are no pet people, and all of that. I'm telling you this story because, well, for several reasons. One, we have adopted the cat. I am embarrassed to tell you the expense we've gone to for this cat. My wife flew to New York with a and picked up a cat carrier from my daughter and the cat and flew back home a few weeks ago. And now this cat has whatever the feline version of HIV is. Some of you are probably familiar with that. And, and so she, she's on a special diet, of course. And she's really uh, unique in that she was, they think, abused. Uh, she, has, she has a pellet buried in, in her, under her skin. And, and the vet said that's common. And I'm, I'm thinking, how in the world do you, does that happen? And she said, oh, people shoot at him. And so she lived probably a, a really rough life. And now, you know, we want to give her a decent life. Well, my challenge is I'm allergic to cats and I, I've researched it all and, and for all the things to do and there's hand washing and cleaning and brushing the cat and getting rid of all the, the cat hair and, and the, you know, it comes, the allergens come from saliva, which then, you know, they lick their hair and then they've got it all over them and, and it just, I have a, you know, a mild to moderate sinus reaction. So if I cough today, that's a long story, wasn't it? If I cough today, you know, I'm, I'm just a little 
a little irritated from an allergen standpoint. And this, this cat might live for a long time. So uh, she pretty much runs the household uh, now. And uh, I, uh, uh, that, that's, that's really all there is to say about the cat. The cat's name is uh, Schrody, named after Schrodinger's cat. Schrody is a female. They estimate she's about 13 years old. And uh, I'm, I'm learning about cat things now. She zooms around the house. Some of you who have cats, you know what that is. I didn't know what that was. She zooms before she needs to go to the litter box. Um, she has a scratching post and she knows the difference between the scratching post and the furniture, thankfully, pretty much. She likes to go behind things and hide. I think these are all standard cat things. I think those of you who have had cats are kind of rolling your eyes thinking, well, he didn't, he didn't know much about cats. And you're right. Kind of comes and goes and does what she wants to do. Loves food, begs for treats. Uh, we have some healthy treats that are good for her teeth. We clip her claws periodically. We being my wife, we have given her medication and that, that is incredibly painful. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I won't go into all the details. That's quite an ordeal. So uh, there's uh, Schrody the cat. That's my cat story. That's what we've been up to. It, it's interesting how I've often said it's a good thing I don't know the future. I don't know whether you've ever, you've ever thought about this or not. I think about all these things. And I, I you know, I, I didn't see the cat coming. I thought, so we're in a break week at school in October. And... I thought we were going to get to go hang out with my friend Charlie Parrish up in Marble Hill, Georgia, and stay in Big Canoe and have a great time watching the leaves change. And uh, we're not. We're staying in Florida for now with the cat. We're letting the cat get accustomed to being here. Cats, I'll say one more thing about cats. They have a, when they are stressed, if we have any vets listening, you're probably really rolling your eyes right now because you guys all know this. I had no idea this is true. When they're stressed, they sometimes get an aggravated or irritated or inflamed bladder. This can look like a urinary tract infection. They get in and out of the litter box. Well, Schrody went through this up in New York, and then after coming down here, she she did it again. And that means you have to give them anti-inflammatories and and painkillers and things. And I've, I've, I've just learned so much. Um, but I, I often think God knew and, and knows that this is good for us in, in some way. And uh, I, I don't mean to over-dramatize the, uh, the cat or even spiritualize a cat, but God provides these inputs and we are, we are looking to be good cat owners. And most of all, this is about loving our daughter well. And I certainly hope we're doing that. So I'm going to move on now and uh, try not to talk about the cat again. Thanks for indulging the personal story. I, you know, I, I had some time to think, you know, you, when you, when you, uh, you wake up during a storm and those of you in Florida, you know, this, and, and those of you from other places have other kinds of disasters where I'm sure this is true, but you know, Ian shows up and, and just he's creeping along at seven or eight miles an hour. So you start to get these outer bands uh, pretty quickly. And the, the duration of the winds that scare you was just a little more lengthy with this one. Maybe let's call it two days or a good solid day and a half. And so, you know, I try to live a normal life and act calm around the house. So my wife doesn't panic and 
she does the same thing for me. We're both a little scared, but we don't talk about it. We pray together. And and I go to bed about the same time on Wednesday when the storm is starting to stir up the weather a little bit. I prepare the pool for it. Uh, we've brought in the patio furniture and the porch furniture and all that stuff. And we, we don't want to have things flying around outside. Did all the things that Floridians do when a storm's coming. Now, we're we're inland. We're in central Florida, just north of Orlando. So there's, you know, we, we aren't close enough to the coast to get you know, the storm surge and the big hit like people in, in Fort Myers got. Nonetheless, at about one thirty, I woke up to hear this howling wind that, you know, makes you flash back to all the other storms you've ever been to through. And it was about one thirty, and I get up and there's a local meteorologist uh, named Tom Terry, who's <laughs> he's, he's, he's just he's really an interesting character. And he, 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 he just handles the weather well. He talks about it well. And uh, so I, I turn on his his channel and, I'm you know, we've got power. I've got a flashlight with me just in case. And we've got other flashlights that are charged and our phones are charged. You know, we're careful not to let them run down. And I've got one of those solar chargers if we need it. And and we're, we're we've bought water and done all the all the things. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm up in the middle of the night and I'm listening to this. Now, there's absolutely nothing I can do. You know, I'm not like Mr. Put on a hard hat and a and some floaties or something and, 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 you know, patrol the house, but it just feels like you ought to be awake. And, and, uh, I, I ran into a guy at our church, his name is Dick Edmonds. And, and he, he kind of said the same thing. And he said, he said, yeah, I keep, I keep like normal clothes on at night just in case something happened. And I, I thought, wow, that's a man after my own heart. So I'm, I'm just kind of up, you know, and walking around and, and every now and then there's a gust and, and then I have to do the stupid thing and go stand out on the front porch and watch things go flying by, you know, that are, I mean, I mean the, the sideways wind makes branches and leaves and just stuff, pine cones. I mean, things you wouldn't even think about go flying sideways and, and, and they don't look like they're going to land. You know, it's one thing to kind of, you know, something to fall out of a tree. Well, these aren't falling, they're flying. And and they're going by really fast and the wind's making a horrible sound and the gust makes a louder sound. And, you know, I learned later we had 60 mile an hour gusts and that was about it. I just can't even imagine 150 mile an hour gusts, which is what the other coast had, the southwest coast of Florida. But you get a lot of time to think when 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 these things happen. You know, I was up from then until the next night and 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 I, I I've been I've been thinking just just about ways that uh, scripture, biblical truth encourages us about things we could be, maybe talk about even on this podcast. I really wasn't thinking of the podcast at the time, but but now that I've had some time to think about it, I'm thinking, you know, one of the things we're supposed to do is encourage each other. Uh, I read an article by my friend. Tyler Kenny in a magazine called Table Talk this morning about kindness, biblical kindness, and what what that looks like. I would I would recommend that article to you. But I I I think we don't often do this enough, and and so I'm I'm just going to talk today about three things that that occur to me, and and I I think they are you know I I probably sound like a like an eleventh and twelfth grade teacher encouraging students and. And for that, I apologize. I, I this is one of those topics that I haven't mastered by any means. I struggle with this, which is the reason I think it's so valuable. And I want you to let me know if I'm off base, if maybe this isn't so valuable or if it is, I'd love to hear from you.
So uh, the first, I, I just, I just have three things that, that I hope will encourage you will encourage us together. Number one, yeah, you're not alone. And, you know, I know that sounds cheesy and like pop psychology, but it's actually not. Um, I've been reading in Hebrews lately, which I find incredibly beautiful and incredibly complex. And, and I'm in particular, and, and some of you are very familiar with this section, but Hebrews 12. And, and I, I just want to read a, a few that, that, you know, this isn't all hearts and rainbows here, but, but I think it's just encouraging. Uh, it starts out Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I spend a lot of time in my classes talking about who God is. David in Psalm 51 and other places, obviously, reveals to us that he knows who God is. I like to read that Psalm and say with each verse, and and, and this isn't true of every verse, but, but some verses have two, so it's probably on average about one a verse. Each verse gives us a characteristic or character trait of God. God is a as a joyful God, God's a redeeming God, God's a creating God, and so on. I think I've talked about that on this podcast. But but life is joyful. And and sometimes, and, and I, I, I don't want to depress you by even talking about this, but sometimes it can feel like this really difficult thing to endure. And, and, and it, it just seems like, so much of scripture even is talking about suffering and enduring suffering. And I know about all the arguments that, you know, is how can God be omnibenevolent that is all loving and also righteous? Why does God allow bad things to happen? I, I know about the books that have been that are very popular that have been written on that topic. But I think if we just look on the surface at this issue, uh, we can gain encouragement by the fact that God is a joy imparting God, whether it's from creation, whether it's from the biblical stories of his blessing of his people, whether it's salvation itself. If you think about the, the act of forgiveness of sins and the imputation of righteousness, you think about all those things. There is so much for us to be joyful about even People like Abraham and David in the Old Testament give me joy. It particularly gives me joy to read what Paul said about them. So this great cloud of witnesses includes, I think, the Old Testament saints. And and uh, I'm not I'm not going to exegete uh, this and parse every word in, in this section, but I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage us that the God of Abraham is our God. And I'm particularly encouraged when I read the forgotten chapter in Romans, one of them, and and if it's your favorite, my apology, but I I think a lot of people just kind of skip this one 
and that is Romans 4. It talks about Abraham being justified by faith. And God used, I'll just say it plainly, that that scripture in my life to convince me, and I know I've talked about this before, that justification is and has always been by faith. I realize there's a new covenant, but justification, our being declared righteous, has always been by faith. Abraham was justified by faith 13 years before, about 13 years, we think, before he was circumcised, before he was law compliant, let's say it that way. So what a what a blessing that this justification is uh, applies to us. It's a lesson that is valuable to us. And, you know, we've had the whole faith works discussion and, and, and all of that. And that's, that's really all I want to say about, about Abraham. I just want us to be encouraged that we are not alone. And, and the writer goes on in Hebrews to say, consider him who endured from sinners, such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And another way to say that, I think, is so that you may be encouraged. And so as we think about Christ, Jesus Christ, it is, and his suffering, it is in a sense, in a powerful sense, encouraging to us. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. So think about this. God is treating us as his children when we are disciplined. His love for us moves us in the right direction through discipline. He isn't wasting effort. He is sovereign. It says, if you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. I've had this feeling, this sense, that I never get away with doing wrong, that God always punishes me, disciplines me. And there's a beauty in that. There's, a, there's, a, there's encouragement in that, that that the writer of Hebrews is pointing out that God is treating me as a son. And this is helpful even in my assurance of salvation. So be encouraged. We're not alone. The, the faith of our fathers is available to us to read about and to understand. And even there are even New Testament uh, references to that faith, and I think Romans 4 is one of the, the powerful ones. This section in Hebrews 12 is also powerful in that regard. So, so we can be encouraged that we aren't alone. The second thing I want to talk about that I also find encouraging is that love and faith are powerful and they were ordained by God. Now, we could go to 1 Corinthians and, and, and talk about all the characteristics of love. We could, we could go to James 2 and talk about faith without works. We could go back to Romans 3 and, and talk about faith. I, I, I just want to I, I look at something just, just very quickly, and I know I've just been through Romans, but Romans 12 comes to mind when I think of this encouragement for us, the, 
the importance of faith and love. And once you get past the, the, the really weighty, you know, first couple of verses, Paul starts to talk about uh, the, the gifts of grace and the way, the way we live together in community. And, and I've, I've told you before uh, that, you know, I'm an introvert or, but barely. So some people call that ambiversion where you're kind of in the middle and yet I've recognized over the years, come to recognize the value of community, the way we're supposed to interface. And one of the things that that is a theme of all of Paul's writing is, is that justification is by faith and that God is sovereign. And and we, we understand those things. We've talked about those things on this podcast. But another concept that is really important is found, he, he starts to reference this in, in uh, verse 9 of chapter 12 of Romans, he says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love, love one another with brotherly affection. And then he says, outdo one another in showing honor. And, and again, I could go to all kinds of other passages, but let's just make this simple. And let's just say that love and faith are powerful and they are ordained by God. It's interesting that Paul mentions, let love be genuine and abhor what is evil. Evil appears here to be, in this reference by Paul, the opposite of love. And, and, and I, I just want to say it simply, uh, that if we're loving, if our lives are characterized by love, we're not going to have trouble. We're not going to have an issue with brotherly affection for each other. And, and he says, outdo each other in showing honor. That sounds daunting. And he goes on to say, let me, let me just talk about this too. He says, if possible, so let's see, where is it? If possible, down in verse 18, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For his written vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. It, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, so there's this notion of loving each other, and then, then there's this really difficult thing that he that he pivots to in verse fourteen: bless those who persecute you, bless, and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. So there's so much there and we've already talked about that, but I I just want to encourage you that love and faith are powerful and are ordained by God. You, you and I don't have to just suck it up and do better. We have, we have Jesus Christ making intercession for us, the Holy spirit with groanings that cannot be uttered. And so this, this notion of living a life characterized by love and faith is entirely possible for us. It is available to us. God has provided it for us. And Paul gives us these admonitions in that context. Let love be genuine. He's not talking about superficial love. You know, you'll hear about this in the South sometimes where everybody's just kind of nice. I thought Tyler did a great job in his article on table, table Talk pointing out that kindness and being nice are not the same thing. There's a there's a southern thing where you kind of smile and 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 wave even to people that you're very adversarial with or 
are even sending negative signals to by being, you know, kind of phony in that regard. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about genuine love. He's talking about agape. He's talking about loving without reciprocity. Faith and love, and I used to think this sounded so cheesy. Why do people focus on love all the time? Well, because it's what we Christians are supposed to do. It's a fruit that we are supposed to bear. It's it's the way we're supposed to live our lives. So so we got two things now. You're not alone. Be encouraged. Faith and love are powerful and are ordained by God. These are attainable. This is this is a God grows our faith through his word, through prayer. And he gives us this ability, this Paul, Paul didn't give us this instruction and say, you know, this is almost impossible. He tells us as if, as if we know, and we do know that this is attainable, that, that loving genuine love with brotherly affection, outdoing each other in showing honor, having a contest to see how genuinely honoring we can be to each other. And then he pivots to those who persecute us. And he says, bless them, rejoice with those who um, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So live an empathetic life that, that relates to people in love. And, and I, I just, I find that encouraging that, that, that we, we don't have to, we live in this culture that is incredibly, can be incredibly difficult, incredibly negative. If you watch the news, I, I don't know whether you watch the local news anymore, but it's just, my goodness, there's a murder here, a murder there, a crime. It's just, it's all the stuff that sells, I guess, and, and gets clicks and, and all that stuff. But it's just depressing. Well, we, we don't have to be discouraged by all of that. We can rest in God's sovereign plan for us. And we can live lives characterized by love and faith. And I know I'm oversimplifying, but by design. I want to encourage you with a third thing today. So you know about the first two. The third one is, is it's sort of counterintuitive, but it's something that I think is incredibly important. And it is this, learn to embrace the mysteries in scripture and know where they are. You are finite, we are finite and can't reconcile everything in scripture. Now, that doesn't mean we get a pass and don't need to study. That's not what I'm saying. We should study scripture. We should study to show ourselves approved. We should we should memorize scripture. We should study it. We should understand the the historical context. We should we should understand uh, the the Old Testament references in the New Testament. We should understand how different books of the Bible relate to each other. We should know something about prophecy. We should know the Old Testament characters and 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 then we should we should value the ministry of the apostles and and uh, all of the writings of Paul and others in the New Testament. And we should understand doctrines and we should all be we are all all theologians. So I'm not saying that we just get a pass and we can say it's all a bunch of mysteries and we just can't understand it. That's that's not my point at all. However, we don't have to strain over some things that are difficult and that aren't clearly explained in Scripture. Eschatology always comes to mind when I think of this. The end times and and Scripture's reference to them are complicated. I'll have people on social media who will ask me, are you pre-mill or post-mill? Are you 
are you pre-trib or post-trib or mid-trib or and you know you know probably all of those are if you don't know those arguments then then great there are mysteries with respect to there's some things that we know there will be a second coming of christ he will return to the earth he will gather the saints and uh, there there i believe there is a a rapture of the saints uh and and i i believe in a uh, a millennial reign but i don't know how all those things relate and i don't know how much of some of that prophecy was fulfilled under caesar nero years ago and that's that's just complicated i, I i'm not sure i don't I don't claim I'm not one of those people who's going to come to your town and charge everybody 10 bucks to sit in an auditorium and, and hear me opine on, on how God has revealed to me that the white horse means this and the red one means that in revelation and that this is how things are going to unfold. And now you need to be ready and, and, and we do need to be ready, but I don't have this special revelation and I understand that there are mysteries the really good theologians who've studied scripture all their lives actually say this often. I heard R.C. Sproul say it many times. I can't be, he would say this, I can't be dogmatic about that. When I get to heaven, God is going to have to correct me on this, this, and this, perhaps, he would say. Now, this is a man who spent his life studying and teaching scripture. And there are others who, who say this, the really good Teachers, biblical teachers tend to, to understand this. I know people who have personalities like mine who are obsessive and compulsive and, and they will wallow in the mysteries, neglecting those things that are very clear in scripture. So I want to encourage you. There's a, a lady who had a conversation with my wife recently who said, you know, I can't get comfortable with this doctrine and this doctrine. And my wife said, neither can I and my husband, because there are mysteries. And the lady said, what a relief. I thought, based on what other people said and how they kind of postured and, and, and what this particular document says, I thought everybody got comfortable with this and I was wondering what was wrong with me. Well, you know what? The answer is nothing is wrong with you. If you understand the character of God, if you understand the ministry of Jesus Christ, his life on earth, his being born of a virgin, living a sinless life, dying on a cruel Roman cross, being raised on the third day, conquering sin and death, being seen by many and ascending and sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. If you understand those basic themes, and they aren't just basic, they're powerful, they're earth shattering. If you understand those things and you realize there are some mysteries, there are some mysteries in salvation, there are some mysteries in, as we said, in eschatology, I, I can't fathom, I'll, I'll give you one, I, you know, I have to remind myself, John, stay in your lane because I can't imagine, and some of you, maybe you can do this, but I can't process God's timelessness not being bound by time. So I sing songs like Amazing Grace. And when we've been there 10,000 years, we've no less days to preach, you know, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise. And when we first begun, I, 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 what? I mean, I know that to be true, but how does that work? And how, how is God timeless? How, how, you know, things roll off my tongue, like in eternity past, God knew who his people were. He knew, the, he knew those who were going to trust in him. 
through his foreknowledge. He also, through his looking ahead, his ability to know the future, knows what is going to happen tomorrow. I can't even fathom that, much less a year from now, much less 10 years, a thousand years, 10,000 years, a million years throughout eternity. I can't process that. I can't imagine one day, 10,000 years on either side of today being kind of the same as today. It makes no sense to me. I can't do it. But I believe it nonetheless. I believe God does it. And, and I, I'm not suggesting that we become apathetic, ambivalent with respect to biblical truth. But, but I am suggesting, if I may say it crudely, that if we really understand who God is and his character, we understand the bigness of God. <laughs> Told you I was going to say it crudely. We understand that God is higher than we can imagine. He's more transcendent than we can imagine while still being loving and with us, uh, being imminent with us. We can understand those two things happen and we, we know they happen. And we have to just say, I believe these things. I get comfort in this. I get tremendous comfort. I hope you do. I believe these things to be true. Nonetheless, I, I can't explain them, but I believe them to be true nonetheless. And I, I think that's just fine. You know, I, I worry sometimes that we think of life as, you know, one of those stages with, with two podiums on it where, where the atheist and the Christian are arguing. I, I just, I, that, that's just a caricature of, of life. It's not real. I mean, I appreciate people who are good at debating, but, but I've never seen anybody hit themselves in the forehead and say, oh, thank you for putting it that way. Now I've got it. I'll convert to your side. So, so I think, I think it's just important to understand that there are, there are mysteries. There are, there are mysteries and we need to know where they are. One, one thing that's not a mystery is everything I just said about the life of Jesus Christ. That's not a mystery. That's spelled out incredibly clearly. That whole thing I said about faith and love, the second thing to encourage you, that's absolutely true and it's biblical and it's, and it's, it's in black and white and it's, scripture doesn't contradict itself. It's crystal clear. But I'm not going to, to get on a stage. I'm not going to live life in a debate. And I'm, I try not to even think that way. And, and I can say, I, I, I can say clearly there are mysteries. If I encountered someone and I'm, I'm talking to them about Christ and they say, why does God allow bad things to happen? Why that storm hit Florida? Why are there earthquakes? Why are, is there poverty? I have to say, you know, I rest in God's character. I know God is a loving God. I know God is not willing that any should perish. I know a bunch of things about God. I know he's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, all of those things. Omnibenevolent. I know all those things to be true. And I know that he gives man this, this sense of agency, uh, the volition. Man, man can make decisions. Uh, uh, some, some call it man's free will. I know that to be true as well. How do I reconcile those things? Guess what? I cannot. I don't think you can either. So I think we ought to know where the mysteries are and then focus on the truth that we know. And I know some of you know these truths more powerfully and more. You've lived longer than me and you've studied this more than me. And you, you're saying, well, of course that's true. Well, 
I, I know it is true, but I see people all the time who get wrapped around their axle over this. You know, I can't reconcile this. And does that mean I'm not spiritual enough? No, no. It means you're intellectually honest. I mean, what a waste of time it would be if you spent all of your life trying to erase as much of the mystery as possible. Now, again, study scripture. We should read it. We should study it. We should memorize it. We should spend time with it. But we should know what we know and know what we don't know. And I I just think that's a lesson that we can learn that is encouraging. I certainly hope it is. So here's what we've learned. You're not alone. Love and faith are powerful and ordained by God. And we should learn to embrace the mysteries in Scripture, know where they are, and, and we, 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 find that, we find it freeing that we're finite and can't reconcile everything. Now, I know one of the things I do is oversimplify. I don't do that because I teach high school 11th and 12th graders. I've always been this way. I've always tried to get to the root radical truth on, on every topic, every subject. It was really helpful in learning algebra and later geometry and calculus. But, and that's just kind of how my brain works. But I, I will say this, that this, this realizing who man is and who God is, this, this way that I start a couple of my classes at the beginning of the first semester each year, knowing who God is from a character trait standpoint and knowing who man is, how man was created, what man was intended to be the implications of the fall and, and knowing just, for example, the simplest of truth that we're born in sin, that every person is a sinner, that Paul had it right when he said, there's none righteous. No, not one that that could, if I obsessed over that in a negative way, I could just become cynical and jaded. But if I understand that I'm to live my life characterized by love and that's the predicament we're all in, then wow, is that empowering? It's enabling. It's, it's fulfilling. I, I don't have to scratch my head and say, wow, I wonder why there's all that subway crime in New York right now. No, no, I, I know why there is. Uh, I, or, or I wonder why people take advantage of, of, of people after a storm. I'm not surprised in the least. You know, or I wonder why my mind sometimes reverts to bad thoughts. Or I wonder why I assume the worst in people. Uh, or... Or why I sin? Why am I not obedient all the time? Why do I purpose? Why do I set out for one purpose and then do another thing? You know, Paul wrestled with that and talks about that. Why do I, why do I not do what I should do and I do what I know I shouldn't do? Well, if we understand who God is and who man is, we get tremendous comfort from that. So I, I hope that's encouraging. I, I hope we can embrace mysteries in Scripture, know where they are, know that we're finite, and, you know, there are times, and I, I get my students to do this, there are times where I get them to think about eternity. And, you know, that thing I was just talking about from Amazing Grace, the 10,000-year the thing. And, and I, you know, you can, you can kind of stand on one foot or, or, you know, hold your tongue just right or think they're just the right thoughts and kind of grasp a little piece of the, the notion of eternity in the future. But I absolutely cannot grasp eternity past. I can't really grasp eternity future. I see everything on a timeline, like, like the geek that I am. And I picture a dot and, and, you know, two arrows on facing one left, one right. 
the left left one pointing to eternity past, the right one to eternity future. Or you can call it infinity or whatever you want to call it. Uh, mathematically, it's infinity, and 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 I and I, I can't I can't grasp infinity. I, I I can grasp some really abstract concepts. I can prove some things still mathematically that I didn't really use in my banking career or my MBA program, but 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 I did learn them in calculus and I and even geometry, and I I can still remember basically how a few things are proven that are that are fairly abstract. But I can't grasp God. I can't grasp, you know, I I he has revealed himself to us in scripture sufficiently but there are mysteries that's really what i'm trying to say and i hope that's encouraging to you i hope you're encouraged by this notion that we are not alone that the faith that saved abraham the father of all nations is the same way that we are justified we are justified by faith what a beautiful promise through the free gift of jesus christ if I've created questions or concerned, that is concerns. I'd like to hear from you because that is the last thing that I want to do today. I don't want you to go away grieving that, oh, well, that guy sounds like he thought he was encouraging, but he's depressing. Uh, that is not the goal at all. I'd love to describe the hope that lies within me to you. If, if these concepts are new to you, I hope you'll share this episode with those who might be discouraged and will need to be encouraged. One of the things I could have talked about today, and when I said you're not alone, I could have talked about this, the, the, the hall of faith in, in, in Hebrews. All of the people who've gone before us, which is really what that reference is in Romans, uh, Hebrews 12, it's a reference to Hebrews 11. Um, I, 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 really, I really could talk about all of those dear saints and all of the lessons to to be learned all of those people who are referenced in Hebrews and many, many others. Isn't it helpful to know that a few thousand years ago that, that, that there were these, there were these people who walked the earth, who similarly struggled and who God blessed and who lived lives of faith. It's it's just encouraging. And I, I hope you're encouraged that, that, of the, of the just the weight of our being loving, our esteeming the needs of others ahead of our own. And then I hope you're encouraged to embrace the mysteries. This podcast is a labor of love. It's, I, I hope it's meaningful to you. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your questions or concerns. And uh, I, I want you to know it's a blessing to me when you do so even on social media to hear from friends who are impacted by this podcast means so much. So please like share review and subscribe to uh, relentless truth. I'm, I'm grateful for you. Uh, this, this audience, it is good to be with you week after week. And I look forward to being with you again next week. Please go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com for more information about our work. It describes uh, Christian financial solutions. My, company that consults primarily with Christian nonprofits throughout the country. I'd love to have a conversation about that. But uh, most importantly, I wanted to encourage you today and just uh, focus on these beautiful uh, admonitions from Scripture. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. 
please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren. Thank you.